1: Hello. This is the Britflix Fight Fest Preview Series 2019. The Britflix Podcast comes absolutely free. So can I ask a favour? I urge everyone to go over to my iTunes page, Stitcher page, SoundCloud page, or Spotify page or whatever podcast medium you're using to listen and please rate and review us you can just rate us they all have star meters which can be clicked on in absolutely no time at all just click on it and you're done and it'd be really helpful trust me the higher the star meter the more reviews we get the more ratings we get the more the britflix.com podcast goes up the charts please 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 come on i'm begging you now everyone listening Go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify pages, type Britflix.com podcast and rate us. And if you've got a little bit more time on your hands, why not review us as well? Just two or three words of praise will do the world of good. It's really simple and really quick. Now on with the show. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast Frightfest 2019 preview series. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's show is uh, today's guest even today's show today's guest is uh, Patrick Reynolds welcome to the show hey thank you for having me it's always good to have a Bob Seeger fan on the podcast you should always have Bob Seeger fans on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> Bob Seger is the best he is indeed he is indeed and we can... when i when I found out he did percussion on mc5's high times I was just even more blown away by the man's Ubiquity.
0: and he uh and he helped don henley along in the eagles too i think he hired didn't he hire don henley
1: yes there's i i got um i forgot the guy's name now but i bought a book by bob seeger's original tour manager in the 60s who yeah. did like he did like a photo diary he ended up publishing it as a photo diary about three or four years ago and it's just such an amazing journey it's like just for the benefit of the listener we've both got our own battle scars from bands and major labels And when you read the story about Bob Seger sort of came about, you're like, this just couldn't happen now. It just
0: couldn't happen. Absolutely. It it can never happen. I mean, even when I was in, I was in a rock band for like 10 years. And uh, even the time when I was, it could never happen again. Mm. It's just because it's just changed so much. I don't really think you need a record label anymore to begin with. I mean, I think you just go out there and tour and just release your records online. And then, Earn all your money through merchandising and and uh, other other ways.
1: Totally, totally. The minute the minute they introduced the three hundred and sixty degree deal, they fucked bands right off. I think because Birch was always for the band and Records was for the label.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Right, so we're not going to do the state of the music industry because that's for another <laughs> podcast. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, so we're going to talk about your movie, which is called Dark Light, and that's playing at Fright Fest. So I will put a link in the show notes so people can find out where and what time and how to get tickets. But to make them go and look for that information, do you want to tell them what Dark Light is all about?
0: Yeah, well, Dark Light, uh, uh, a brief synopsis on it is that uh, a woman goes to jail because they think that she killed her daughter. And she basically says that uh, a creature took her daughter and nobody believes her. So she breaks out of jail a la Fugitive Style and goes back to the house to battle the creature that took her daughter
1: hmm.
0: so we don't know if it's actually a creature or if it's actually something that she just made up
1: now this is this is not your first uh is this your it's not your first fright fest is it
0: no this is my fourth fright fest
1: stay first... you go on do you, to, do you want to give us your cv for the for the benefit of people who've, who've been going to fright fest all this time
0: yeah rights of spring debuted mm-hmm. uh at um the glasgow one mm-hmm. and I had a terribly great blast. Lots of, drink, <laughs> lots of fun, And it was just, good. all those guys are great. Paul, Alan, they're just amazing guys. And then so when I got to do my second movie, I contacted them. They're like, oh, yeah, you're in. I'm like, oh, cool. So I went to England with my second movie, Worry Dolls. And then last year I had a movie. I shot two movies back-to-back last year, 24 mm-hmm. Hours and Dark Light. Right. But and only four hours came to uh the Fright Fest last year. I was unable to make it because I was shooting this movie, right? So I love I love Fright Fest and I'm I'm really happy because every year that I go, like some of my friends have movies in there now, so which is great. So I get to go hang out with them, get to go see you know wonderful England and you know and watch some cool movies.
1: Good, good, good now it's great. Great. You've got that relationship with the festival. The festival's 20 years old this year. Um, yeah. so what, if I say to you, what does, what does your 20th year mean to you? What are your 20th birthday or something in that, in the, in the, when you, when you were 20, what springs to mind for you?
0: When I was 20? Yeah. A lot of booze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, I think we were on tour with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. So we got a little, or we played a couple shows with them and then, uh, we, were, uh, we would just go out, we would go out and we would play New York, we would play you know, Kansas, we would just tour around in this little red van that we had, which was really, really cool. And this
1: is, this so, is, this is with the
0: nukes? Yeah, at, at age 20, yeah. About 20 years ago, it was 1999. And I guess that was pretty cool. I was living in San Francisco and just about ready to move to Los Angeles to start uh, a, a movie career because uh, we got dropped by Sony Records.
1: Than bloody major labels, eh? Ah, oh, they're the worst. <laughs> well, look, let's fast forward then to now. You've got your fourth yeah. film at Fright Fest. Uh, Darklight, you've told us what it's about. So you wrote and directed this movie. Um, yeah. So with with that in mind, and me being a screenwriter myself, this is always my favourite question to start off with, is for you, for what became this movie, where does this idea start for you? What was the spark? What did you see? What did you read? Who did you talk to that was like, "Hold on a minute, there's something, there's a story here." I,
0: I always uh, thought it would be interesting.
1: Uh... Hello, oh, it's superb. It was, it was, it was, um, it was like I was in my own little horror film. You, you, <laughs> you, 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 you went. I thought it would be interesting, yeah. And then I'm waiting. I'm thinking, this is dramatic pause. So if you want to repeat that line and crack on, I'll be able to edit it like oh, a, like a motherfucker. There's a
0: there's a story here called uh, the case it's the Casey Anthony story. It's about a little girl who goes missing and the mom doesn't know where she goes and obviously they find the the, the daughter and the daughter's dead and the mom, but the yeah. mom didn't get convicted. Right. And I thought it would be I thought it'd be interesting if like a child goes missing and the mom says a creature took her child and nobody believes her and she's like no, the creature took her kid. I got, you know, I have to get her back. And then I'm, I'm a big fan of the fugitive. My, I should just have her fucking break out of jail and go back to the house and battle the creature. So, and then that's sort of where the, uh, the whole germ kind of uh, started. And then it was first a demon movie. She said it was a demon. Yeah. And then the producers came to me and they're like, Oh, we don't really like that. It's a demon. Can you make it a a monster? I go, yeah, I like monsters way better. (laughs) So, I went to my friend Aaron Sims, who designs creatures. He designed what the Stranger Stranger Things creature looks like. He designs Captain America. He's he's really he knows really knows what he's doing. He's, yeah, he knows. What he, <laughs> and I go. This is the kind of monster I'm looking to create. I'm looking to create something new that never we've never seen before. That's interesting, but it's obviously you know not giving too much away. Mm. That uh, obviously you know it's something unique. And he's like, okay, cool. And I I drew a really bad sketch of it, and then he sent me this sketch back, and I showed it to the producers, and they're like, oh, we love this, let's do it. I'm like, okay. So and that's pretty much. I already did one movie with them called Open Twenty Four Hours. Mm. So they were and they and they were they really liked that movie a lot, and so they wanted to work with me again. And then once I showed them what the the obviously the creature looked like, they uh, sort of jumped aboard.
1: So when so obviously you're what you're bringing to this kind of like you're bringing the horror notion to this sort of sliding door moment where a kid gets missing and you're going, okay, what if we have some yeah. horror? So in terms of developing a monster character then to be the kind of body, I suppose, in the story, what, what yeah. where, where did you go for like the providence of that? How did you solve all all that in terms of, you know, what what the antagonist wants, needs and all that kind of stuff and the rules of the game, I suppose?
0: Uh, th- that's the most interesting part about it when you're building a creature. and mm. uh, And then I was – uh, I didn't, so what I was talking about, it, I was like, okay, wh- wh- what does he do? Well, you know, how does he do this? Why does, if he would kill, if he would take a child, why, what is he doing with it? Yeah. You know I mean, so I had to build this whole mythology up about it. And I had to explain that mythology in a way that people wouldn't be like just a dude, you know, just a dude sitting there going, oh, this is what it does. But, and I wanted to her to, reveal that as time goes on through the movie. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it and, uh, and I, I, I don't know, I just really always liked creature movies growing up and I thought it'd be very cool to create a unique creature that we've never seen before. It's a sort of a humanoid. And okay. that would, and I built this whole mythology on why they would steal kids, what they want with the kids, what they're doing with them. Uh, and why they need them for their race to continue. And she sort of discovers what, why this is going on. And she's, you know, hell bent on getting her daughter back because everybody thinks she's, she killed him.
1: Mm. Now you got, you got Jessica Madsen who was in um, Leatherface. Yes, uh, I do. Uh, she's amazing. So she's playing, she's playing the mother, the role of the mother looking for the kid, yeah? Yes. Okay. So in that terms then, so you've written that mother character in this script, and then she you cast her, and as the mm-hmm. as the saying goes, I think it's Coppola said it, eighty percent of the of directing is in the casting. Um, yes. What What do you think she brought to the character which you weren't expecting? You were like, oh, I'm fucking glad I got that.
0: And she's just, she's mesmerizing on camera. Like the camera really loves her. Mm. And and I was lucky enough to get a, a child that actually kind of looks like her. So it was like, you know, you always see those movies like, God, that kid looks nothing like that. <laughs> uh, so, and they had a really good bond towards each other. And uh, she brought a fierceness to it and a, and a, a, a darkness and a different edge to to uh to the character yeah uh and she just she's just really a wonderful actress so I actually uh, uh her friend Vanessa who mm. was in Leatherface she was in Open Twenty Four Hours right okay so Vanessa comes to me she goes oh you should hire Jessica And I'm like oh God, you know what this would be this would be great yeah be great. <laughs> so She's just a great. She's just a really, really great actress. I think you're going to be seeing her in Rambo Five too. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I noticed. Yeah. Um. So, um. With with it be, with there being a creature in there, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing, and you've got someone designing the creature, so we we're talking we're talking practical as well as digital effects, yeah. aren't we? Yeah.
0: Yeah, basically, a man in a suit. Cool. So. And what we wanted to do, what I wanted to do, is I like those kind of movies. Yeah. You know, some people don't. They like, you know, oh, we should do CGI. I'm not a big fan of CGI. I like CGI elements to, like, obviously this creature has powers, so mm. we can't like, we can't like, we have to show the powers through, uh, through a CGI type, yeah. Atmosphere. But what I wanted to do is, I really wanted to get, you know, an actor inside the, the, the studio to work to go, th- you know, to for him to be scary. And I got this wonderful uh, character actor named Weston who was just, dude, totally bored. Like, he would sit in his suit for 12 hours. I'm like, dude, are you okay? He goes, let's just, yeah, I'm fine. We're going to, we're doing great. I'm like, okay, cool.
1: (laughs) So I think, I think, no, because obviously for for the, for the layperson watching, you know, you've got people acting and you kind of believe, you know, there's, there's good actors, there's bad actors, there's like this, the camera loves certain actors and doesn't love other actors, you know, and that's That's either subjective or it's an objective truth. I never quite tell. But when someone's in a suit, then how does the relationship between the director and the actor work then? Because obviously a lot of the kind of, you know, the eyebrow or the lip or the nose or whatever that you might get in close-up is gone because they're in a suit. So...
0: Well, it's interesting because... He would send me videos of him working out at the gym and be like, Hey, what do you think? Should I move like this? Should I move like this? Should I go like this? And I go, And I would say, Yeah, on that. That looks a little weird. Let's do this. Let's do this here. And then, but what I didn't realize was that he was working on the voice as well of what he looked like. And dude, when he came up on set, it adds so much to a production when he could do like a scream, like a monster scream or something else. Yeah. can, it, it sounds horrifying. You're like, wow, that that sounds really, really cool. That's really, really. And where great.
1: did where did he say he got that from? What where, where, where was was that you saying? Can you come up with one? Or did he go Did he come, He just surprised well, you?
0: I said he came up with it on his own. Right. I said, Yo, I want you to be. You know, I want this to be your character. You come up with it on your own. Tell me what you, think, and then you know, send me some video, and I'll tell you what I think. And he sent me a video. I'm like, done. Perfect. Sounds great. And, and so that- we went, when we would go back and we did ADR, I would actually he was actually better when he was in the suit and acting. Really? It sounded, it, yeah, it sounded better. It sounded fierce. Because there's always, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of ADR. I think the actor is in the moment. Like, you know, when she's running around the house with a shotgun. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just you just have that feel. You have that energy going. And it's a lot like playing music. It's mm. like if I play my guitar when I sing, I sing completely different. When I don't have my guitar on, so uh, and that's that's what I found uh, in his performance. So we we mixed the performance. We were able to get really good audio when we were when we were filming, and we just sort of blended that in with the ADR that
1: we did for uh, extra creature,
0: you know, pizzazz.
1: Yeah. So, with um, with you having sort of the practical effects of a, of a man, in, man in a suit as the creature, and you've obviously cool. that means you've got people, and that means you've got people in the room together and stuff. Um, yeah. What What was your um, What was your conversations like with David Matthews from a cinematography point of view in terms of what the look and feel you wanted to achieve, and, and what was what was uh, what was David saying was achievable, as it were, in terms of making this movie.
0: David and I have worked. This is our third time working together. Got you. And it, it's an interesting story on David. I'll, t- I'll do a little backstory on him. Cool. Uh, I was doing a movie called Worry Dolls, mm-hmm. and, and I covered in Mississippi. And he was hired to go do second unit stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to go shoot the second unit stuff. And I'm like, wow, this second unit stuff looks really fucking good. And I go and. I was like, "Hey, man, your stuff looks really, really good." He goes, "All oh, thanks." And I'm like, "Hey, uh, I might be doing this movie called Open Twenty Four Hours." I go, "Would you love to shoot a teaser trailer for me? It takes place at this gas station that I wrote it around uh, in Mississippi." He's like, "No, let's shoot it." And basically, we shot it. It looks phenomenal, and that's what got the money to raise to 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 finish the movie wow. to do Open Twenty Four Hours. Yeah, they like the producers liked it so much that I had. I did shots in there that I really wasn't planning on putting in the movie. I had to recreate them exactly so I could put them in the movie. So we worked really well on that. And I go, Hey, we're going to go do dark light. And I go, let's, I want a different theme for this. I want this, like, I'm a very Americana guy. Right. uh, And I, I, and so I go, we have this, we have this cornfields, we have this beautiful house. I want really wide, majestic shots. And he goes, cool. He goes, you know, if, if it's in the budget, we should use the anamorphic animal animal for lenses. And I'm like, absolutely. And we got, it was the first time using them. And we got these great ones that um, the production brought us. And dude, it's a beautiful looking movie. But like we had, there's this cornfield chase and we had to map it out. And him and I sat down and we're like, hey, this is what the corn. this is what I want the cornfield to look like. This is what I want it to, you know, and he mapped it out strategically almost like a, a football play. You know, yeah. we go over here, we go to this, we do this, we got, you know, cause we have people running through corn and, uh, and it worked out great, you know, and we're, we were really lucky because the production let us have a steady cam operator for 17 days. Dato, he was so good. Like he came on the first day and we were shooting. I'm like, uh, I think this. We need this guy to be around for like the whole entire shoot because this looks really, really great. I wanted that smooth, you know, almost ghost in the house feel. You know, have you have all these haunted house, house movies with like yeah. things in the movie. and that's sort of what I wanted, to, uh, like to be the camera to glide through the house where we don't we don't know where this thing is or where it's coming from or you know if she's just seeing things. So that's what I uh, we planned on doing. So,
1: so, what, you, so you, you're talking about a a, chase in a real cornfield, then?
0: Yeah, we went through a real cornfield. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah. so when so when you're shooting somewhere like that, and you're obviously at the mercy of the natural light as much as you can light the closer stuff. How do you balance that? Sort of... oh, well, we,
0: we had this uh, we had this big light over the field, obviously, because mm-hmm. we shot it. Yeah. And then we had we just we basically did did a path. This is the path we're going to run through the entire time. Got it. The audience doesn't know; they just think we're going to be running through this entire cornfield. So we're going to light this path certain certain ways, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's how we went uh, about doing it. So, and I shot in the cornfield before for rights, so I was pretty familiar with on the angles to get, and uh, although that was in the daytime, uh, what angles to get and how to how to maneuver our way through it.
1: And where, whereabouts we was this shoot. We
0: shot in Tbilisi, Georgia, and it's supposed to take place. The movie's supposed to take place in Mississippi, but I'm really glad we shot there. It was really beautiful. They built me this house. They drove me out to this cornfield. It's this the only cornfield I guess that they have. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What do you think about putting the house here?" I'm like, "Oh, this is great. Can we? Can I put it right there?" And they're like, "Yeah." And I go, "Okay, cool. So let's build the house right here. This is where the corn. This is where the chase will be." And what's interesting is when you're doing a movie. Like there's a part where well, a guy that believes her comes to the house and he gets chased and I was gonna have him run through a cornfield, right? Mm. But I've already done that and I'm like, eh, I kind of already did that. So on the way to shoot, there was this abandoned car. There's abandoned railroad, uh, uh, a Russian railroad station, and I'm like, oh man, we gotta use that. That looks really great. So that's how your sh- your script can shift into a different direction by adding a bigger set piece that's sort of near your location and just kind of there.
1: And was so, was you shooting in the same place for the for open, for twenty four hours? No, well,
0: I shot in Serbia for Open Twenty Four Hours.
1: So back. So when you say back to back, you're kind of you're, you're moving countries. You're. Um, yeah, I'm guessing not all the crew comes with you when you go to different places. You'll pick up a different right. line of producer and stuff. They,
0: they, you, they, you could, you come out of your own crew. Like they have their own crews set up in production. Yeah. house. Like in Serbia, we use clockwork productions, right? The other one uh, we use, uh, shoot, it's, 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 it's a slip in my mind. Balasha was the production manager and he would, and then they have their own team that would come that they, you would hire. And then I would bring in my own DP of, cause obviously I, I can, Speak the language, mm. so, but it was great, man. It was really, really. I, you know, I was nervous because I'd never shot anything out of the states. And when I got over there, I, I was just realized that I, they built everything. They built everything.
1: So hold on a second. You've never shot out of the states, and you do two films back to back out of the states. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know. Well, that's how, that's how things work. <laughs> it's like, you know, I just want to stay here and shoot things. Nope. You're going to go overseas and
1: shoot things. Okay. So what would you, in terms of like the experience, I'm not, this isn't to compare and contrast, but, but in terms of lessons learned then that you hadn't, that you, that are new, that came new to you from working with maybe, you know, just maybe the way people are culturally, the way they go about things or what they're willing, what they're willing to do and stuff. What would you say was a lesson learned from sort of shooting in Eastern Europe that you hadn't been able to appreciate before?
0: Uh, I love the crews. I thought the crews were really, really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's weird because if if I shot in like take Open Twenty Four Hours for example, yeah. Yeah. I literally wrote this whole movie around this gas station in Mississippi, right? And I I did it for a budget budget restraint reason because everybody could be like, okay, we can just shoot at this gas station. There okay. you go. Yeah, it's done. And they were like, well, no, we want to shoot in Serbia, and I'm like, okay. And they go. We're going to build you the same gas station. I go. You are going to build me the exact same gas station. <laughs> yeah. I am like, okay, whatever you guys want. <laughs> and so we went and shot over there. But it gives you a little bit when you build something. It gives you a little bit more uh, uh, freedom. Got you. So you can go. You go. Know, if you build a set, you can control lights better. You can leave lights up for a longer period of time. So you can just leave and then come back and start up right away. Wow. So, okay. So and. But the thing with dark light was was that we had a child actor. So, child actors can only be on set for six hours, right? Yeah. So, you kind of got to shoot her out, and which is frustrating because when she's running around the house, you have to light upstairs, then you have to light downstairs, and then you got the sun's coming through this way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you always at – we're open 24 hours. I could just leave lights out, and they'd be like, okay, we're shooting in this room, we're shooting in this room, we're shooting in this room. So –
1: Okay, that's that, interesting. So that was, that's just... I mean, that I guess that would have been the same if you'd have been shooting in the States then with a the child actor. You'd still have a similar constraint, wouldn't you? Exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, now, um, the adage goes, you know, you write a film, you, you shoot a film, and then you edit a film. So when you were editing Dark Light, what, what new discoveries did you make that weren't apparent when you wrote the script for you?
0: Well, the, uh, the original script was, uh, it was... I was always jumping times. Okay. I was like... She, it opens up with her being arrested. Then we jump back to find out, uh, you know, how she got there. Then we jump back to her in prison. We keep jumping, jumping around in times. And then when we did that, we realized that we were giving, uh, we're giving bits of the story away that we didn't want to. So we had this really long interrogation scene. So what we did was like, Hey, this interrogation scene's kind of giving us everything that we're uh, before we even see it. So why don't we? put the interrogation scenes up and that'll be our jump back in time. And that worked a lot
1: better. Got you. And and was that only, you were only able to see that once you started to do the edit, as it were.
0: Yeah. We edited it. You always edit this as a descript. Yeah. And then when we watched it, we're like, eh, and it's sort of the sp- response sort of spilling our beans. She's telling us everything that we're going to see in the movie. And so why don't we split instead of jumping back in time? Why don't we use, the interrogation as our jump back in time, as our linear thing. So every time we see that, we're like, okay, she's still in prison. Bam, let's go back
1: in time. So. Got you. What would you would, when I like? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to no, finish your thought then. And I'll, I'll what on. I
0: like is that I wanted what I would really wanted to do, I really wanted to do, have the audience know, okay, she's chasing some, something around in the house with a shotgun. Yeah. Child goes missing at the beginning. We introduce the cop. We introduce that she gets arrested. Bam! I really wanted that in like five minutes, so that everybody knows. Okay, these are the characters in play. This is what's going on in this movie. This is what's happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like movies that you know get you right into the uh, to the core really fast.
1: Yeah, the credits have rolled and the story starts.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: No, totally. I was just gonna. I was gonna. The question I was gonna ask is, what, what, what do you? What's your favorite sort of? What's your favorite memory from the shoot? What would be uh, a sort of um, something that you sort of makes you smile when you think back on it happening while you're shooting this movie?
0: Uh, all of it. I mean, there's some crazy stuff. I mean, I love shoot. I, I, I thought we were going to be in that goddamn house forever, though. I, I was like, oh, thank God we're this house. <laughs> well, uh, the exterior shooting in the cornfield was really cool at night. It was really cool. And then there's a scene where um, the van that she drives goes over this bridge into this into this river. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty. It was pretty fun to shoot that. You know. And then, uh, I mean, I got hit by a rain machine in the head, which I had to go to the hospital for, which was pretty cool.
1: That doesn't seem um, like that doesn't seem like a happy memory to me. <laughs> no,
0: but dude, I was sitting there. I was like, "This is great. This is great." All of a sudden, <laughs> I see the thing coming towards me. I'm like, "Oh fuck." And I was like, bam, it hit me as, and then I, you know, and then I got a big nod on my head and it was like, I go, I'm fine. It was like, no, no, you need to go to the hospital. Cause on set, if you get hit, you have to go to the hospital, sort of like a rule. Uh, and so, but, and that was, you know, everything worked out. We didn't lose that. We didn't lose that. We we're at the end of the day anyway. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, everything was great. I just, I was just really, I just really like, the way it came out. I really liked uh, the creature origin. I was trying to do something new, trying to build something. Because creature movies are really hard because really nobody buys them that much. But I really, I, I, I love them. I think they're great. There's a movie in the 80s called The Boogans that is sort of, uh was a jumping off point. That
1: oh, right. I- okay. Okay. I don't know that one. I'll have to check it out.
0: That's an old one yeah it's old one it's not very good I, I revisited it and I'm like this is pretty
1: bad well I mean from my from my uh from my youth and my VHS days extra would be a would be oh a yeah good. That's a good one yeah I had, I've had uh, I had one of the producers on the podcast for the uh for the 35th anniversary of it yeah he he was saying, you know he still he said to me they're still selling that film on the film markets to this day
0: I yeah, I know. Dude. It's like everybody watches that. It's a, it's a it's one of those big uh, indie movies.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, look, let's rem- let's remind people then, when can they see Dark Light at Fright Fest?
0: Uh, Sunday, August 25th uh, at uh, I don't know the, the theater, but it's at uh, Fright Fest and I don't know the times yet. They haven't put the times up yet.
1: I'll put sh- I'll put a link in the show notes so people can click on it and, and uh, check it out. But just to- let oh. everybody
0: know that uh, uh, Jessica will be there uh, the whole cast will be there, so if you want to come and, you know, you have Leatherface uh that you want Jessica to sign, she'll be glad to sign up for you.
1: Oh, right, okay, well we'll make sure we get that in the tweet out when the podcast goes yep. live.
0: Yep, and uh, and we'll all be there, and so if you need, want to bring anything else, you know, and yeah, that's it.
1: Well look, thanks very much for your time on the podcast. Thank
0: you so much, man, and uh, uh, what's your favourite Bob Seger record? I know what your song is.
1: Um... Well, I, I, for the for the um, for the kind of um, the idea, I've got. A, I think I've got a signed live bullet. It's hard to get to see. Oh the yeah, live bullet, live bullet. Yeah. But yeah, good. but I do like I do like the pairing of uh, night moves and beautiful loser. I think
0: it's. Well, I those, think, are, those are my two favorites. Beautiful loser is my favorite.
1: Because the idea that he's wrote an album, gone yeah, when I was a young book in town, this is my story, and then this yeah. is the realization that I'm not. A Lothario. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Put Catman Do
1: Catmandu on it. do is like one of my favorites. Almost. Yeah, no, he's, uh, it's, uh, I've, I think, yeah, I, I've, I, I managed to find before the internet decided to overcharge for them, mm-hmm. and against the wind tour t-shirt for like eight, eight pound.
0: Yeah, back in the day, man, you could get those like at thrift stores for like four bucks. They're, one, f-
1: they're $150, $150 at least now.
0: Yeah, at least, and I just wish I would have held on to all my, you know, Springsteen and Def Leppard shirts. Jeez, I just sell them all to people.
1: Well, look, sir, I say thanks very much for coming on the podcast.
0: Thank you, sir, and uh, I hope to see you. And you're going to be there, right?
1: Oh, I am. I'm there all. I'm there all five days.
0: All right, I will see you, and we'll, we will share a, a pint, my friend. Indeed.
1: The Britflix podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv. <laughs>